Hi to all our listeners. This is Coach Chelsea, the host of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study, a place where athletes, coaches, and athletic professionals come together to talk about faith, sports, and servant leadership. We hope that this podcast blesses you. If there's anything we could do for you, please find us at the Chelsea F on Twitter, at Chief Friend John, C H E F R A N J O H N on Instagram and streaming live at Chelsea F. Muir on Facebook. We pray that you continue to be blessed and continue to serve as God would ask us to. All right, everybody. I want to thank you for joining us again on another uh edition of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I'm super excited about this one. I try my best not to ever be biased, but I'm a little biased today because we have on an amazing coach, amazing woman, amazing leader who even in the past just few months uh, because of a shared group and a shared uh, family that we're in became like a big sister and a mentor to me. We have coach Brittany Ezell the head women's basketball coach of East Tennessee State University on to talk some servant leadership talk with us today. There's so many things that I could say about her. And every time that I do, she's like, oh, you didn't need to say all that. So I'm going <laughs> to respect the humility of who she is. But I mean, a gym dropper. And I'm so excited to have this conversation. So I'm going to go ahead and pass the torch to you so you can introduce yourself. And I'm excited to have you on today. And I appreciate your time. So let's get to it. All right. I don't know if my intro is going to have too many gems, but uh, <laughs> I, I can't thank you so much um, for, for having me on here. Um, the list that you've had preceding me is a tough group to follow. All right. Um, but it speaks volumes about the profession we're in uh, and the platform that we have. And it's really refreshing to see young coaches like yourself and all of your guests uh, be unafraid to share and to be very open-chested and vulnerable and uh, put their heart on display. So um, as you said, I am the head coach at East Tennessee State University. I'm also a professor in our College of Business and Technology. I teach uh, business leadership uh, for upperclassmen uh, at ETSU. I've been here a while. Um, Prior to here, I was at Belmont University in Nashville. Prior to that, I coached Division II at the University of Montevallo. Uh, prior to that, I coached junior college at what used to be Oak Dub, now Northwest Florida State. I uh, got my master's degree at the University of Nebraska. I got my bachelor's degree after playing basketball and softball at the University of Alabama. And most recently, I received my doctorate in education uh, here at ETSU. So um, best way to introduce me, I, I am pretty open book. Uh, and I take a lot of notes. So I am a learner. Uh, while a lot of people consider me a leader, um, you have to make sure that those two phrases are synonymous. So that's who I am. There's so much impactful that you said. And, you know, I'll tell people this um, because this was huge for me. Um, you know, as a servant leader and as a young coach myself growing in the game and just growing in the game of life, uh, you know, we feel that we have to make choices, right? That we have a ceiling. I was listening to a podcast with uh, Christine Kane and, you know, a month or so back. And she said, isn't it so funny that we place ceilings on ourselves? And that's how you and I connected because it was a question asked to me, well, Chelsea, what is it that you want? (laughs) And I proceeded, it was a, you know, pretty long-winded answer, but it all resulted in the fact of feeling that I had to make choices. And then there you were. The one that was like, I'm a women's basketball coach and I'm also a professor mm-hmm. who says that you have to choose. Right. And for those that know me, I'm a teacher and I'm a coach. And so sometimes we feel that in upward mobility and professions that you have to choose a direction. So I was standing at a fork in a road and you stood there at that fork and said, no, ma'am, let's <laughs> show you how to bridge this gap. All right. And so guys, that's really how this connection happened. And so Those are the type of things that you exude in this life that, you know, so often people feel that they can't give because for some reason they feel that that somehow stops or dims their light. So, you know, in being a women's basketball coach and a professor, can you talk a little bit 
because um, there's so many other things you do as well, about how you balance your plate, because that was something that was key for me. And I know for leaders and coaches everywhere that that's in these times, something that we all need some help with. Yeah, I, we talk a lot um, in leadership about uh, work-life balance. And I have a little different philosophy on that, Chelsea. I, I typically lean towards anything that you're passionate about is going to unbalance your life. And it's going to come in different seasons for different reasons for different periods of time. Um, I try to give myself moments where I can be 100% present. And that's what I want in any endeavor that I look at, whether I'm looking at my day and I've got a speech in the morning, I've got a class that I need to get graded, I need to work on the practice plan, we've got an academic meeting for a student, whatever it is, I try to be present. Um, I am not what you would consider a multitasker. I'm, I'm a very um, honed in focused person. Um, I, and I guess it kind of goes to my belief, I can't worry about what's next. It's going to come whether I'm prepared for it or not. I, I can't worry about it. All I can worry about is putting one foot in front of the other and giving my absolute best to whatever endeavor I have decided to take on right now. Um, and I think during COVID, it's really given me an opportunity to pause as well. Um, because, you know, as a leader, our cups are emptied every day we pour and we pour and we pour. And sometimes, sometimes we're trying to pour from empty cups. Um, so I try to <laughs> make it a point. The first thing I do in the morning, Chelsea, when I know my day is gonna be hectic, this is no joke. I look right in the mirror and I laugh. I do, you know, my, my reflection notwithstanding. I try to laugh a little bit because something is gonna challenge me and the way I have to take those challenges, I can either be challenged or I can be changed. And I use those platforms to change my way of thinking, to change my approach. Um, and really I, I try to use everything that I do as a growth agent. So I don't see a work-life balance for me. Uh, today is primarily work. Tomorrow will be primarily me. Um, and then something ridiculous will happen and it'll disrupt it. And that's okay too. That's okay. Too. So I, I think my best advice about balancing is that anything that you're passionate about is going to unbalance you. Find what works for you. What works for me may not work for somebody else. And I, I don't compare my life to anybody else's. I, I don't allow them to steal that joy of mine. So uh, my joy is finding my balance that day. I love that. And I love the biggest thing that you said in there was you can either be challenged or you can be changed. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so huge because not saying that life doesn't have some blows that come at us, but I tell people all the time that my valley moments prepared me for when I made it to the mountaintop. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have them, I wouldn't be this person that I am today. And so that's all I hear through that. You can either be challenged or you can be changed. It's all in how you look at it. We had uh, Damon West on a mm -hmm. couple of days ago and I cannot wait to uh, put both of you um, down on the, on the podcast. Cause I'm telling you, it was one of the same, um, effects that he brings to this call is the same thing you bring to not only this call, but my, my world where it's like, well, Chelsea, here it is. We all endure these same challenges every day. We go through these things, but sweetheart, it, how do you want to take it? Right. Yeah. Because in, yeah. and, and, and in that one quote right there, that is literally how a, you live your life, but B that is the first thing that had me like stuck. To who you are, right? To the screen. Uh, hey, if you're, if you're comparing me to Damon West, I will take that with the, you know, if we're talking about victor versus victim, if we're talking about, you know, oh, yeah. what, what the application of boiling water does, I'm I'm here for it. So I, I'll take that. You can end the call for me. I'm good. That's, <laughs> I, that's all I needed uh, this afternoon. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Listen, he is indeed the man. He, he had actually had one of the coaches that's uh, on here, you know, and she'll probably pop on and in, in a couple minutes, she's on like two hours behind us, but uh, she read, he had her reading his book in like, I think three days, four days to be ready. So yeah, yeah. but no, you are definitely there. Thank um, you. Appreciate in the process of, you know, recruiting, in the process, and you talk to me a lot, um, you know, just kind of about your program and the things that, you know, you require. Right. What do you look for in your players, understanding your ideals, 
your morality in terms of servant leadership and servanthood, what do you look for in your players? Understand that they're still growing and learning in life, yeah. um, that you know that you want to teach them and make them better X's and O's wise, but what do you look for in those players and how do you help them grow outside the lines? Man, I hope there's nobody in our league on this call. So, <laughs> um, the, the way I look at it and we try to take, this is going to sound so contradictory to everything you would think. We try to take basketball out of the equation. And now there's a handful of abilities that I have to have present in our student athletes. The abilities are responsibility, dependability, and accountability. I have to have that. And then they have to be remarkable teammates, period. Um, because those are the things that are going to sustain them. Because just like we said in the, in the segment just a few moments ago, something's going to challenge them. And when it does, I've got to know what they're going to fall back to or what they're going to grow from. Um, so those are the abilities that we're, we're looking for. I mean, obviously, you know, bigger, faster, stronger. Everybody's looking for the, you know, the next Maya Moore or, you know, everybody's looking for those things. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. I want kids that when I lay my head down at night, I don't worry about what they're doing. I, I want kids that are going to be um, fantastic role models. They are my um, walking legacy. They will be my walking trophies the rest of my life. And I want kids that want people to pour into them. I don't want the, I don't want the know-it-alls. I want the learn-it-alls. I want the kids that uh, welcome feedback. I want the kids that seek it out. Um, and then I want kids that are um, different than me. I, I, can't, I can't learn you know, from kids that are clones of me. I'm not trying to uh, you know, pound my chest and, and say that I'm this great leader. I'm trying to develop new leaders in new dynamic ways that reach new followers and help create you know, kind of a, a trickle down effect. That's what we want. Um, I'm responsible for the greatest gift that the Lord ever gave a set of parents. And if all I ever do is focus in on making them a better basketball player, then I have failed at my calling. My job is to take the greatest gift ever given to a set of parents and do the seemingly impossible of making it better. That's my job. And I take a lot of pride in that. And I have a lot of conversations with recruits and with even our, our current roster. It doesn't have anything to do with basketball. Who do you want to be? Um, and it goes back to, you know, kind of my philosophy and coaching that if, you know, we want these kids to be a woman, then they've got to see a woman. Um, so I, I do everything I can to, to set the right example. And, you know, maybe they learn a little something from me other than, you know, how to make a left-handed post feed. That's about it. But um, if they have those abilities, Chelsea, then anybody can work with you and you'll be very marketable and very um, sought after. If you don't have those abilities, then nobody can help you. So uh, we recruit a little differently. And it definitely shows. But one of the biggest things I will tell you is if, you know, I know what I receive in just the moments I get. So I can only imagine what those young ladies <laughs> being around you, you know, all of that time, you know, the biggest thing, and you always say that, and that is what you stand for. We want these young ladies to be a woman. They have to see a woman. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean just I'm looking at a woman. That means all of those attributes that we wish for them to be, yeah. they have to see that. And I think that is very important in our walk. You know, talk to us a little bit about how you utilize your discernment um, and the decisions that you make not just on the floor, not just with, you know, the game situation, but in life, because I tell people that servant leaders have to have a level of discernment in the decisions that they choose, what opportunities they choose to take. Um, mm -hmm. So can you talk to us a little bit about how, how discernment is important and how you apply that to, you know, not only the decisions you make for your program, but in your life? Yeah, I, I think you worded that almost perfectly. That was a fantastic question. And it's funny because I was about to tell you, the only thing my kids tell me they get from me is a vocabulary lesson every day. <laughs> so if they've tuned into this call, they're going to understand a little bit about discernment. But um, I don't, it's never just about me and it's never just me involved. 
And I am a big proponent of not majoring in minor things. I am a big proponent in practicing a pause. And I am a big proponent in having a board of trustees that I go to and count on. Um, I don't, even in my daily life, I don't make decisions on anybody else's time but mine. And following my own internal moral compass because I know which direction it faces. Now, the people that may be affected with decisions that I make may not have the same moral compass, don't have the same background, don't have the same understanding that I do. So I'm very measured in everything that I do. Um, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Um, but I'm also for everybody, if that makes sense. I don't ever want any decision that I make even when it involves people, I don't want them to take it personally. I'm not making a decision based on you. I'm, I'm based on the situation. I'm taking you into consideration, but it's it's the situation. Right. Um, I, a lot of leaders will get a little bit hung up in thinking that we're judge and jury. We're not. Mm -hmm. That is definitely not what you want to be. I want to be honest. I want to be fair. I want to own things when I make mistakes. Um, and that goes back to, you know, letting them see a woman. We're gonna make mistakes and they have to see how I handle it. Maybe I've messed up a decision involving somebody on the team or, or within the program. I have to be the first to apologize and the first to own it. Um, but I think the first thing that I do um, when I am making decision, decisions, Chelsea, the first thing I do is pause mm -hmm. and then I seek guidance, whether it's, you know, from something I've read, something I've seen, someone I've talked to, somebody I trust. I, I don't go into situations saying I know it all. I, I can't because if I if I know it all, then, you know, why am I doing this? This is that's not for me. Um, and then every decision I have to be measured with is my why. Why am I doing this? And when I, when I go back to my why, my why outweighs my worry and my woe constantly. So if I keep my why in my heart every time I make a decision, even if I've failed or stumbled, my intention was pure. And that's what I have to keep my moral compass line to what is my intention here and um when i when i use my why to direct it that's how i help discern my decisions i tried to tell y'all okay uh, <laughs> so when you're listening uh you know i'm having to start putting a disclaimer out there you know everybody has one so i have to start putting those disclaimers out there because when they start dropping i need people I, i'm just sitting here like my why outweighs my worry and my woe mm -hmm. and, and and I think that's huge like I was sitting here like it hit me because so often in this life we do we lose our why because of those worries and those woes and mm -hmm. so this wasn't even on my you know oh. question palette for you but I, but I gotta know what's your why What's your why, coach? What's my why? My why is because I want my eulogy to be longer than my resume. <laughs> I can't with you. I'm not doing this today. I came out with you. It, it is. And, and I've read that somewhere. And I think a guy that's in our Embrace Us group, Drew Maddox, loves to post about eulogy living. And, and I really embraced that, you know, a few months ago. And I started thinking, man what are they going to say about me when it's over? And is this legacy something that I'm leaving for people or is it something I'm leaving in them? And that's what I want. I want my legacy to be left in people to carry on and pass on because when I die, my one loss record's not on my tombstone. It's not. And when I, when I stand and I have to answer for all the things that I did, I hope that I'm exhausted for having poured into others and impacted the world for better. We, we challenge our kids all the time, leave things better than you find it. 
you know, pick up a piece of trash, open a door for a stranger, give up your seat for somebody on public transit, do the little things to make the world a little bit better for somebody else. And it goes to that quote that is one life breathed easier because you existed than you have fulfilled your purpose on this planet. And I truly believe that that's my why. My why is whenever whomever stands up to speak on me at the end of my days, then I am watching from heaven and it is far greater than my resume ever looked on paper. I'm done. That's it. I'm done. We can leave now. I'm done. I, I, mean, I was about to say, you know, like the certain song says, let the church say amen. Oh. Right? Listen, I'm just, because so often we know this as coaches, we're competitive. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we like to win. Right. But sometimes and oftentimes, which is the sad part, those other t- intangible things are missing because we care so much about winning. Mm-hmm. But you just jarred our first conversation. That is the first thing you said to me. You said, Chelsea, <laughs> when I get to Christ and he tells me about myself, I want to be tired. Yep. I want to be exhausted when I get there. And that blew me away because we're often consumed by ourselves. And none of the conversations we have, do you talk about yourself? You'll talk about experiences so that they can help me, but you never, it's never self-seeking, right? It's always serving others. So now, you know, there was no reason that we wouldn't be having this conversation and there's no reason you wouldn't grace the podcast because you truly are that servant leader. I tell people all the time, I saw this eons ago and it just made so much sense about what we do. And people say, well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for that. And I tell them, no, I'm just running errands for the Lord. That's it. That is what we're here to do. I am running his errands. I'm gladly doing it. And if I'm going to be tired from anything or anybody, it's going to be running his errands. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. I think it's huge. You talked about legacy living, right? And And I love that. Legacy living. And not leaving a legacy for people but leaving a legacy in them. And it, that makes so much sense because I can just, even the times that I hear you speak or I hear a recording of something else um, that you spoke upon, it is always in that lane. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you that. I can hear something and I'll say, oh yeah, you know, and That's it comes me. out. And I'm like, <laughs> yep, that came from, yep, that was yep. her. And, and, and so everything that you're saying here you know, is how you live your life. And that's what I tell people I love. Okay, that's fine if we we walk and we, we talk it, but do we walk it and you truly do walk it. Thanks. You know, you mentioned Embrace Us and that <laughs> is, you know, our shared organization that we both um, are a part of and that's how we connected. And um, I love what Embrace Us stands for, um, but I love what the people in Embrace Us stand yeah. for. Yeah. And that is what truly, you know, makes me love you guys and that you are our family. Talk a little bit about servant leadership, being a coach, but also in this time in America, right? All these things that we're seeing, those very hard topics, hard issues. Yeah, You've been speaking a lot about them, right? In, in a world where, unfortunately, some, you know, may not know what to say, won't say, or feels that they can't say. Right. Talk about the importance of servant leaders being able to stand up for what is right. You told me that the right way is always the right way. The right thing is always the right thing. So can you talk about how important it is for you to stand up for causes that, even when it's not easy, right? As a coach, as a woman, as a leader, talk about a servant leader standing up for those hard situations and those hard topics that we're living in today. Oh, well, yeah. It's, it's difficult to kind of encapsulate everything, how, how I feel about it. Um, we have been given very unique platforms as coaches. Um, coaches will impact more lives um, through what we do than you could ever even imagine. You know, opposing players, parents, officials, people that watch games, you have a very unique platform. And I guess I've always subscribe to the theory that what's right doesn't have to be popular and it doesn't bother me um I never wanted to sit at the cool kids table I I don't really care um what's trendy or or what people may find to be taboo if it's right 
then it is your obligation as a servant leader. It is your responsibility as someone who's been charged to impact children. And, and make no mistake, my college kids are still children. It is my job to speak up. And I, I have this quote on my wall that says, strong women speak up for themselves and even stronger women speaks up for others. And I've never had a problem voicing when I thought something was wrong. And do, do certain things right now, Chelsea, make people that look like me uncomfortable? Yeah. Yeah. But that's all the more reason that someone like me has to speak up and say, yeah, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, these are the things that we're going to do in terms of social justice. Yes. Because I've been put on this planet kind of like you. You're running errands, okay? I, I consider <laughs> myself kind of an empty vessel that has just been filled up with this kind of love for everybody. I, 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 I would be really hard pressed to tell you anybody that I just did not love. Um, we may not you know, be best friends, but I still love you because you were created like I was created in a perfect image. That's cool. And I keep going back to it's, um, oh gosh, John 13, 34, love one another for I have loved you. And if more people would just kind of hold on to that and just say, man, here, here's an opportunity for me to really show how much I love you, regardless of that challenge. This is my change. And there's been a lot of challenges out there. And um, it's also not just for me to speak on. It's for me to empower my players to do. It's for me to empower someone like you to do because the more we empower others and and the more we give others the I don't know if it's if it's the okay or the go ahead but when you empower somebody and you say the most powerful words in the human language I believe in you and you tell somebody hey I believe in you and I think this would be really powerful coming from you you free them up to speak their truth and that's all I try to do with our players. It's what I try to do for myself is what's, what is true, what is good, what is right. And I try to uh, be the voice of reason oftentimes. You know, coaches, we manage chaos. We do. Yes, we, we do. We manage <laughs> chaos. And there's been a lot of chaos in our world. And, you know, you and I had a, a conversation when I was so worried about the election. Yeah. And you told me that you heard uh, the voice telling you, I got this, don't worry. Yeah. And you have no idea what that did for me that day. I mean, cause I, I, I worry and not, not in a way that, you know, I'm going to paralyze myself, but I worry that those platforms and those things that I'm trying to provide my kids are going to go away. Right. And I can't let that happen because I, I love my people. I love people too much. And, um, yeah, until people who look like me and people who are in positions of power are as impacted or as outraged about certain things, nothing will really change. So my job is to be the continual reminder that, hey, we've got bigger things here than just winning the conference. We got to do more. We got to do more. Um, I don't think anybody worth their salt has ever woke up and said, I got to do less. I, I got to do more. I got to do more. <laughs> you know that's one of the hardest parts about talking to um such amazing individuals who speak their truth um because as trying to moderate i'm always taken aback <laughs> so it's like trying to stay on track but i'm like literally taken aback because you know you said it best you know when you tell people that you believe in them mm -hmm. you feed them up to speak their truth and, you know, I'm giving nuggets away, but it was so pivotal. I'm telling you, if you and Damon West were on a conversation together, I literally would just sit back, <laughs> get some popcorn and enjoy, because I'm telling you that these were some of the very same sentiments um, that he was given. And, you know, he apologized. He's like, I'm sorry, I, I guess I'm on a, ta a tangent, but I'm led to say this. And I'm like, no, but that's just the whole point of a servant leader. We don't have a script here, yeah. right? We let yeah. God move, right, and use our words in the way that he would have us to say. And one of the, the greatest things he said um, that you just bought, brought back to the forefront of my mind, he says that, you know, people that look like me 
um, he says, we have to do, we have to step up. We have to fight the battles, um, even when they're hard fighting, because we believe in them. He says, we have to take a stance, even if we stand alone. Mm -hmm. He says, but now here's the other side of this thing, America. He says, so now my black and brown friends, when you have us at the table, when we agree to come to the table, table, we're not going to get it right. Yeah. Because we've either been told wrong, we've either learned it wrong, yep. or our opinions are wrong, and that's fine. But if we come to the table ready to hear, listen, and make change, approach us with grace. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, I, and I love that so much because so often, not just with America, but in life, we will sit and stand on our stances and go back and forth, never hearing, yeah. just trying to get our point across. Yeah. And so we have to make sure exactly what you said, love you one another. And, you know, there's a coach on here often, Coach Paul. Um, and, and, you know, I know he's going to be kicking himself, but he'll be listening later. Uh, he always just says, guys, love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Love your neighbor. And as you just quoted the scripture, which is right, God called us to love one another. And it didn't stop there. He says, as I have loved you. Correct. And. So we know, and I charge people all the time, when we when that scripture comes up on here, I say, think about it for a second. Let's go back to our unlovable moments for a second. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, we, we're not going to pull them out the closet, but God knows and you know. Think yeah. about your unlovable moments for a second. Yet he loved us anyhow. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, okay, well, you're black, so let me change this love. You're white, let me change this love. You sin, let me change this love. He didn't yeah. say that. He yeah. said, as I've loved you and the way that I love you, I love you unconditionally. Mm-hmm. I don't ask or request for anything from you. And even when you don't seek me, even when you don't do things the right way, I still love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if the same man who made us and created the doctrine for us to follow, would he really be okay with us not loving one another simply because of the skin that he gave? No. And, and part of that too, Chelsea, is that a lot of people that, like you said, they stand on their opinion. Yeah. And, and my feeling on this is I don't have opinion on other people's opinion. All right. If, if that's what you're going to do, then, then do your thing. But what I've found about people that, that stand on those things, and when you ask them about their unlovable moments and you, you directly speak to them from the word of God and you recognize, and, and it's the faster you recognize this, the better off you'll be from beating your head against the wall. Those same people have found religion. They didn't find God. There you go. So they found a church that they call home, but they didn't find Jesus. Come on. Because if they did, then, then they would understand that his teachings were universal. They were unisex. They were unicolor. There was no differentiation between people. There was not. And, and I said it before, and, and I catch so much grief for it. I said, look, let's, let's just throw it out there. Jesus was a brown man. Jesus was not blue-eyed and blonde-headed, okay? So, and we can talk about skin tone and, and close to the equator and how people moved and, and, and migrated. Learn a little bit. Right. But when people will start espousing different views that really kind of tilt and twist um, and take things out of context. Yeah then I simply just recognize the fact that they think they've found religion, but you really haven't opened your heart to Jesus. Yeah. And that is between you and you. And my players will tell you, I don't quote scripture to my players. I, I am very leery about doing that. I think you can probably tell what I believe by just how I talk in general. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to be a servant leader. You don't have to understand everything that was written because Lord knows if I tried to read Leviticus one more time, I'm going to bang my head against (laughs) it. But if you live your life in a a certain way, if you live your life in a certain way and your heart is in the right place, then people see the spirit move in you. And that's all you can hope for. I, I don't have to tell people how many times I go to church. Cause sometimes I go to Holy Mattress of the Box Springs with brother pillow and sister sheets on Sunday. I'm on it. I got no problem with that. And, and, and when my mom would ask me about it, I said, mom, look, I am just being still. And I know that he's God. I'm just being still, leave me alone. You know? Yeah. It's not where you go. It's what you know. Come on. And it's not necessarily what you know. It, it's who you share it with. And, and I have my own relationship that matters to me. And I hope people can recognize that relationship by the things that I do, but, you know, staying on your topic of, of the difficult conversations, break it down. 
-hmm. Break it down and, and be real about it and check yourself for your own biases and your own ingrained um, thoughts about people of different color, people of different gender, people of, of different life choices. It is not for me to judge. It is for me to love. And the best part for me though, it is for me to try to understand because I am so inquisitive about what makes other people tick. That just, yeah. like, I, I ask people all the time, how did you get to that? Like, tell me how you deduced that because I am fascinated. Yeah. Um, and then once you tell me that, I can figure out kind of, is this conversation going to go anywhere or am I going to just draw a circle on the wall and beat my head into it? Right. So, you know, make sure when, when we're talking about all this stuff and, and I get so tired of getting on social media at times and people are espousing scripture or saying this, that, and the other. And it, it's, it's really kind of sad to see. Um, I, I don't want people to find religion. I want them to find their own way with Jesus. You know, and it's so amazing when you say those things, because I can tell you wholeheartedly, um, that that is exactly the way you live your life. And I tell people all the time, you know, servant leadership, we see it everywhere, right? We could Google it, it's multiple books, it's conferences, all of those things. But just like love being an action word, servant leadership is an action word. Mm -hmm. We can throw it around all that we want to. Yeah. But if, if individuals don't see us walking in it, right? You know, they see our fruit. And I tell people all the time, I'm not here to try to tell you, I don't have to tell you what I've done. I don't have to tell you as long as I am bearing the correct fruit mm -hmm. and doing those errands that I speak about for the Lord, that's it. Yeah. And you know what? Those people that truly are seeking his face, those people that truly want to know more, they're going to feel it. Yeah. They're going to see it immediately. You know, some of the things that, that, just piggybacking on what you said, I tell people things that I've done, but it's usually things that I've done wrong. Yeah. And here's where I've messed up. And here's where in retrospect, I'm going to try to prevent you the pain that maybe I went through. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't necessarily feel the need to share my successes. Those kind of, you know, the, those are easy to see. Yeah. I, I want you to see the lessons that I learned through the hard part, through the messy part, through the part that nobody you know, really wants to endure, but we all do. And, you know, how I came out of a, a dark place and, and re-engaged my life. Like, I want to prevent anybody from having to go through anything that is painful. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I don't know, I guess that's the protector in me. Um, you know, the first thing that I tell our players, my first job, my absolute first job as their coach is to protect them. Um, and sometimes that's from themselves. That's sometimes it's from outside forces. Um, sometimes that's from lack of knowledge, but I have that about me um, that I feel a very strong need to protect. And sometimes the best way to protect is to profess and, and let people know, hey, I've been there. You don't wanna do that. You, you don't wanna do that. Trust me on this, okay? I, I took that bullet. You don't want it. You don't want it. So uh, my successes will, will, will speak for themselves. Somebody else can talk about that, but I, I can tell you all day about my failures if you want to talk about them. I'm okay with that. And let me tell you, I, I scars, I tell people all the time, my scars are beautiful to God. Mm -hmm. You're going to see me lather up some cocoa butter on them, okay? Because I am a fair-skinned sister, so I can't have them looking all crazy, but our scars are beautiful to God. And, and just as I was, ha this was a month ago, and it keeps coming up, but the very thing that I can look down at my knee from my five knee surgeries. And I remember, I remember the pain. Mm -hmm. I remember that process, but all of those things, as I told you, those Valley moments, they remind me of where I came from and how hard, how hard I can overcome things from those Valley moments in my mountaintops. I can take a look at the scars mm -hmm. where a rib was removed from me. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I remember all those hard things, but then I remember who kept me. And so as I was talking with coaches before, and I said, how can I tell a person that God's a healer? I can say it with my words, but oh, what a difference it makes when I tell them of my scars and of my testimony. Mm -hmm. And so, so often in this world, we hold things close to our vest because it's like, oh, I don't want people to judge me. Oh, I, you know, I don't want people in my business. 
but the freedom, the freedom that others can unlock are in our stories. Yep. And that is exactly what you just said. So I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. Even if they, even if they take that road that we tell them not to, at least, at yeah. least you have a, a roadmap of what happened when I traveled down there. So. Absolutely. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm, I'm scarred up from, from playing ball, but I, I do have a, a, have a heart that's held together with band-aids. Come on here. And we all have had something that has damaged us internally and we've covered that up. And what did you cover it up with? Well, the great healer. He put a Band-Aid on it and kissed my boo-boo and made it better. And uh, I got a whole packet of Wonder Woman Band-Aids in my office. And every time somebody needs a Band-Aid, I always tell them, I will always tell them, you want me to kiss it and make it better? Well, that's what happens when we're hurt internally, is that if we'll give it away, if we'll own it, if we will just share our mistakes, if we will acknowledge our mistakes, then we can be made whole again. And that Band-Aid wraps around and it's two hands wrapping around it in love. And that's what I tell our kids all the time. I've had, I've had holes in my heart before. I've had scratches. I've had scars, but they've been healed with two hands that put a Band-Aid on it and said, you are still perfect and you are still loved. And I am still right here with you. So keep walking. So get you a pack of Wonder Woman Band-Aids. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go out and get those this weekend. I got I it. Dollar Tree. I, I, I can tell you the aisle they're on. I love them. Keep <laughs> stop. I think that's so amazing. Right. And and I tell people the perfect picture of who we try to be, that's the reason why people, as you said, that religion, that's mm -hmm. why people have a hard time trying to find God mm -hmm. because of this pristine picture that we try to paint. Mm -hmm. But the very deliverance in those, the very uh, roadmap that leads them to his face is us just walking our truth yeah. and those stories of those band-aids of how he held me together right well i mean you think about the broken people that have been hurt by the church and yeah. then they turn their back on god god didn't hurt you sweetie the church did yeah man did yeah you know, people that manipulated what you were created to be did yeah. and that breaks your heart that that is hard to swallow and so i struggle and my entire family struggles a lot when I get people that profess to me, oh, I'm this, that, and the other, I'm this Christian, and that, and it, it kind of goes back to my mama's phrase. When I used to tell my mama that I was grown, my mama would always tell me, grown people don't make announcements. Grown people just handle their business. Ooh. Come on, mama. So when you have to tell me and I can't tell, we got problems. Yeah, you can write, write that one down, put an R around it and circle it. You see it. That me, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw you write that one down. Uh, when my players do it too, they'll, coach, I'm grown. Uh-uh, baby, grown people don't have to make announcements. Grown people just take care of their business. And it's the same thing with Christians. We don't have to make announcements. We just love the way we were supposed to. And we do it imperfectly, but we know that we're doing it because we've been granted grace. That's it. You know, I just. Tell me something. What? I see you writing it down. It makes me feel good when you pick up your pencil. I appreciate that. Hey, as you said, when you first came on here, that you're a learner, mm -hmm. a lifelong learner. So am I. So there is no way I will miss opportunities <laughs> of life being poured into me. But let me tell you, here's the craziest part. And I say this all the time, right? I say this all the time because I need y'all to know this. Okay. I literally, if I were to show you, I'm going to show y'all, this is not the good book. I was going to say good book. I got my good book in here too. This is just one book. And I'm almost at the end of it. I have like three books since we've been doing this in April. Okay. And I tell people, I keep saying this, but I'm going to do it uh, when things kind of clear up. You know, Florida, we, 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 we showing out down here. So I try to limit my footsteps, but I am literally going to take all these books and go down to my county office and say, this is what I have been learning. I know these are worth some professional <laughs> <laughs> I know it is. Go ahead and work that out, right? Yeah. And then, hey, if anybody wants to sign up for it, they can go to the podcast. They can go to wherever they need to go and listen because they will be better there you go. This, you, you, know. can, you can list your co uh, podcast on Coursera and charge $49 to sign up per credit hour and give them, give them a, uh, a certificate. Yeah, I'm all for that. I'm all for it. I'm with it. You know, I, <laughs> I just think that's huge because 
it hit me and stung me in a different way. One, because I never heard it. So shout out to your mom, because that was amazing. Way to go, mom. Denise. Denise is the best. Mama Denise, you are awesome. Thank you for that <laughs> one, because I'm stealing it, okay? I always give credit, but I will be saying it. But it's so true, because people say that to me all the time, and I never formulated it in words. But it's like, well, you didn't tell me that. Well, why didn't you tell me? I didn't know you were doing that. And it's like, it's not personal. It's not. It's just legit. When I am running those errands for the Lord, my main focus point, and I have tunnel vision on doing what thus said the Lord. That's it. Don't don't take it personal, please. I am just trying to please my man upstairs. There you go. If I can do that, then I'm (laughs) at peace. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think that's a true place. You know, I was reminded of uh, Coach Chris, he's on here. And when oh. we talked, and I cannot wait uh, to air that conversation, but it was something you said that reminded me of our conversation. He said, you know, it's not my job, just like you said, to quote scripture to people and Bible beat and do those things. It's just my job to live in that. But what happens is people recognize there's a difference and then they want to know what is so different about them. And mm-hmm. then at that moment, then it's my job to then tell them. Absolutely. And I was like, Yes. And so that's, I kept flipping and hearing that in my left ear as I'm talking to you through my right ear, hearing yeah. Mama Denise quotes. Y'all, I'm telling you all, y'all are something else. Yeah. Well, if you had Chris on here, Chris and I got partnered up with Embrace Us with the, the connection. And after talking to Chris, we've talked maybe 10 minutes and I've been researching him and obviously researched you. And after we've had several conversations, I I told Penny, it aligns so much with why I wanted to be part of the organization and why I do what I do. Yeah. I want my life to empower someone else to live their best life. And if I can help Chris move in and advance his career and his wife and family, if I can help you and advance your career, that's why I joined Embrace Us. That's why I'm on this call. That's why... I get to do all these things. I don't have to do these things. You don't have to run the Lord's errands. You don't. You get to. Yeah, there it is. Yes. You, you get to. And you had a choice. I had a choice when you said, hey, can you be on on the 21st or that? I could have very easily said, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and, yeah. and everybody can. But I, I, I want to just keep pouring and pouring and pouring because so many people, starting with my mama, poured into me from such an early age. And I don't think it's fair to hoard knowledge. Mm. I don't think it's fair. I think that's when knowledge dies, when we hoard it. I think knowledge is for us to gain. It's for us to absorb. And then it's for us to disseminate and to share. You got to throw that stuff around like confetti. You got to help people. Yeah. Because the more knowledgeable they are, then we get back to the discussion about what kind of decisions can you make. Now we're making some really impactful decisions. Now we're really helping people rather than just trying to sell a book or or be on a podcast for podcast's sake. Now we're really investing. And we may not see the return on investment in our lifetime, but it goes back to here's my eulogy. There's my return on my investment. Greatest time I ever spent because that's the only commodity that I truly have is my time. It's not money, it's not my house, it's not my car, it's not my title. The only thing that I have is my time. And I get to choose, I get to choose every day, what do I do with my time? Do I invest it, do I waste it? Do I share it, do I hoard it? It is my only commodity that I want more of every day. I want more time, I want more time. Because from the moment we were born, our hourglass was flipped over. And we do not know how many little grains of sand are left on this you know, beating heart that's inside of your chest. You don't know. So if you're hoarding time, if you're hoarding knowledge and you're not willing to share and you're not willing to put yourself out there, then you are just taking up space and please step to the side because the rest of us are trying to run this race and we're trying to get as far as we can with the amount of time that we've been given on his plan, not ours. And that's all I want. That's all I want. You know, Back in the old country churches where I grew up, right? Right about now, my shoe would come off and it would be thrown at you. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know that right now. Okay, you'd be ducking, okay? If we weren't virtual, you would be ducking right now. (laughs) 
but I mean, that's self-explanatory within itself, you know? And I think that's why, as our kids would say, you know, we vibe, our vibe, your vibe has always been different to me. It stands mm -hmm. alone. Um, and, and I can, as the kids are, I can rock with it, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because it's, that's what I saw in you, right? It's almost like, ha, huh, somebody finally gets it. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's never about me. You know, people say, oh, well, you know, and I, and that's why it's always hard to get a spotlight, you know, for me. That's always, I told you that before when we yeah. first talked and you were like, see, you don't like that. And I'm like, nope, I never have, yeah. you know? And then again, when I throw it back at you, the same, you know, response is there, but it's because of what you said. We are so busy running that race. You know, we know that time and life, it, it's been given as a gift but we don't know when that eulogy will then be read. We don't know when that time comes. And so it's like, I'm here and not have to get to. That was another part. That's in a, that's in a notebook by my bed. When you <laughs> said that, that was so huge to me on another platform. Mm -hmm. We always say that I have to go do this. I have to do this. I have, no, 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 no. Your exact words was, it's a privilege to serve. Yep. It is. It's a privilege to serve. It is. I, I don't. I don't know why anyone would think any differently of that. It's not a requirement. It's not. It is a choice, and it is an honor to say that you served the betterment of someone else. There, there is nothing greater than you serve your family, you serve your friends, you serve strangers, you serve your neighbor. How, how is that not the most awesome thing that you do all day? You yeah. know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that's the point guard in me. I want to make everybody else look better. I, I want to make everybody else look better. I, I do. I got, I got some teammates that still owe me residual checks from when they went pro. <laughs> they owe me. They owe me because I made them look good. But, you know, when you, when you shine light on somebody else, it's not cold in the shadow. I'm helping shine light on you, Chelsea. It's not cold in your shadow. I stand in silent applause every time. I don't find shadows to be cold. I don't. I find them to be places that allow us to direct light where light needs to be shown. And I'm okay with moving in that darkness so that I can share my light and cast it on somebody that really needs it and has a platform that can be beneficial to more than just me. I it's not about me. And when it is, I got to check myself. I got I to check myself. And it is really easy in our profession to pick up an ego. It's really easy um, for us to listen and to all the accolades or the pat on the back. But let me tell you something. In the 21 years I've been coaching, I hadn't missed a shot. I don't get to take them. When our team wins, that's my kids. When our team loses, that's me. Yeah. And that kind of leadership needs to permeate everyday life. When your people did something, give them their flowers, let them have it. Don't steal somebody else's thunder because you're so insecure and need a pat on the back. I don't need strangers to tell me I did a good job. I know when I did a good job and when I didn't. Yeah. I don't. I, when I go to bed at night, I don't worry about what the people in row six of the stands decided they want to yell down uh, at me on the sideline. I know when I've done well and when I didn't. Now, I can't judge when I did well and when I didn't based on a scoreboard. Right. And, and that's where coaches get confused. So I, I try to keep that in mind. What's really winning? Who's really winning? You sitting up there with your bag of Doritos and your Mountain Dew yelling at me? <laughs> or is it the man in the arena that is that is marred with blood and sweat yeah. that is giving their best effort knowing that no matter what you do you will never please everybody i'm not trying to please anybody on this planet except, except mama denise <laughs> mama denise that's it you i'm telling you and, and, and you know coach and now you you all see right you can only imagine when 
the phone calls, the FaceTimes, you have literally opened your heart to me, um, your resources to me in such a servanthood way. And I guess that's why it's one thing to have a conversation, interview someone and you're learning about them. And I'm still learning about you, but it's another thing having a conversation and it's pretty much fact-based evidence that we're talking about here. And so when I hear you speak about, you know, the things that you consider important to you, what you feel your life's meaning is, and you give these nuggets, it's like, yeah, well, I can show the tangible evidence when a week ago this, three weeks ago this, and that is, I stand in amazement. You know, it's so funny. I was talking to my brother and sister about you last night. <laughs> um, and I actually said, said, but here's the thing, you all. I said, and you said it earlier, servant leaders, Coach Huff has said this before, many others, they serve even when it's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. But it's a pleasure for them to serve. So mm-hmm. why dare I chase anyone when those true servant leaders, they know the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. You know, and some people say, well, I didn't know, Chelsea, why didn't you post this? Why didn't you ask that? I tell people every day, I say, sweetheart, the speakers aren't my decision. Mm-hmm. I consult God about everything that I do. <laughs> this platform is not mine. Mm-hmm. I'm the vessel he's using. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the, in the little, my little caricature back there, fine. I'm just the vessel that he's using in some three stripes. That's it. I'm still upset about that. I'm gonna have to get some checks over stripes. I, I'm gonna have to work on that for you. I'm about to say, here we go. Yeah, you know, help me out. We'll get, I'm, get some uh, I'm, I'm gonna have, my guy. I'm have to <laughs> servant leader and send you some Nike shoes. I'm gonna have to do something. I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I you're, love it. You're putting me in a contractual uh, conundrum. I am. I am upset right now. I am. Upset. I'm telling you. Listen, the biggest thing here, and I tell people this all the time on this platform, and we talked about a little bit already, but it's the staple on how we close this thing out. Servant leadership are two words that we hear all the time, right? Some definitions of it, I, you know, as the kids say, I can't call it, right? But every single day that you all servant leaders come on, I am on a mission to create the longest fact-based, evident, truthful definition of servant leadership that strings from you all. You are now speaker number 90. All right. 93. 93. 93. I might say 94, but you're 93. All right. And so I, I'm on a 93rd element of the definition. Okay. So Brittany Ezell, what does servant leadership look like to you? What does that mean to you? That's not fair. I don't know all the other answers. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound redundant. Um, you won't. I'll find the one thread that changes. Everybody thinks that. What does servant leadership mean to me? It is a labor of love. That's all it is. If if you love enough and you care enough, then the servant word, it, you don't even think of it like that. I, I don't think. I don't define myself like that. It's a, it's a really cool term. And, you know, Tony Dungy's book really kind of made it trendy a few years ago. And it's, it's an awesome thing. And you, you read the book, Jesus Christ CEO. And, and, you know, there's a lot of things that you can liken servant leadership to, but it's just your labor of love. Do you care enough to give of yourself? And who you are and, and what you have? I mean, everything else is it's all kind of fleeting. If I were to able to give you a piece of my heart, that's my labor of love and, and that's servant leadership. And yeah, kind of cheesy. No, it's not. And is it unique? to what you thought, it is new. <laughs> See, that's the PG mindset. I'm a point guard too. That's the PG mindset. Regardless of what we believe, we always carve a new path. I, I got to make a bounce pass through the legs right here because I definitely couldn't get over or around anybody else. So I got to think through this one. Um, my mother was a servant leader from the moment I was born. And uh, she was divorced when I was a kid. I was six. 
And I watched my mother work three jobs. My mother crawled under houses for TVA. My mother taught aerobics and my mother ran a tanning salon. And my brother and I thought it was a huge deal to get a Domino's pizza on Friday. My mom remarried um, the man that I call dad now. And she went back to college when I was in middle school and graduated top of her class, became educator of the year in Williamson County, went to TSU and got her master's degree, became a vice principal, then a principal, then the assistant superintendent of the number one school system in the state of Tennessee and just retired after 29 years. My mother knew every student by name. She knew all their families, she knew all their stories I can't tell you how much she sacrificed of herself in that 29 years for those kids. So if I am a fragment, a, a fragment of a fragment, as much of a servant leader as my mother set the example for, then I will have done my job on this earth. She lives as a labor of love. Mama Denise. I'm a fan. I'm gonna meet you when this COVID passes. You will. But mm -hmm. I'm indeed a fan. And it, it, it speaks volumes because you being that fragment of a fragment, it, it gives me a eye-opening picture into who Mama Denise is, as she made you. So I, you all, I'm telling you, it, it's at this point, now you see a why Brittany Ezell is a servant leader. <laughs> Why I look to her, look up to her as much as I do. Um, but more than anything, why you are successful in so many facets of your life because you know why you're here and who you do it for. Mm -hmm. And in none of this conversation and in none of the elements of your life is it about you. No. Only when I mess up, that's my fault. That's it. And that's okay. Uh, I wasn't put here to be perfect. I was put here to try. And that's all we can do is we can all keep trying. I mean, what a, what a weird place we would be is when we were babies and we learned how to walk, we fell down the first time and just said, nah, this isn't for me. <laughs> it's ingrained in us to get up and keep trying. And we have to continue to do that as adults. You're gonna fall down, get up and keep trying. And eventually you'll learn to walk and then you'll learn to jog and then you'll learn to run. And then once you run, sky's the limit. The path is out there. You just got to chase it. Folks, there y'all have it. <laughs> Plain and simple. And the greatest part about this is this conversation will always continue because I have a front row seat to anything and everything that you want to pour. And when I tell you, I'm not wasting a drop, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I will, um, I'm going to drop my cell phone number in the chat. Okay. Anybody that's on the call that I can help or you need anything or just let me know, I'm happy to help. And uh, I need everybody on the call to be thinking about Chelsea's basketball team. They, uh, they are trying to cover up a big hole at the point guard position. And you all understand that point guards are important. Oh, okay. and keep uh, keep her in uplifted in your thoughts and prayers and definitely her team because they are going through it and they will get out the other side because of her leadership. So keep her in your thoughts. See, always about someone else. I appreciate <laughs> you so much. Thank you so much for being here today. One of the things I always say is even something you touched on um, today. Time is the one thing, right, that we don't get to judge how much of it we, that we receive. Right, but we want to make the most of it. But time is also something that once it's given, we can't exchange it. We can't go back, rewind time. So I thank you in the midst of everything that you do, that you spent this time with me today. And not just today, anytime yeah. that I need you. So thank you so much just for being here. Thank you for what you do. Sure. I appreciate you. I appreciate that. And I will share your thank you with my staff because without, them, without them, I wouldn't have been able to sit here today and, and just have the time and be comfortable. So to Brittany, Liberty, Autumn, Mandy, and Dakota, if you guys are watching, thank you guys. If you're not watching, I will thank you in person myself. I here appreciate it. And if they're not, they'll hear you later. And when you hear that, hear me and hear this. I appreciate every last one of you all for what you've done for me personally and what you do as servant leaders yourself. So shout out to you all. Thank you. all are dope. So 
If you guys don't mind, we're going to say a prayer really quick. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you yet again for another time and another hour to get better, Lord God, to be better, Lord God, to highlight what you call us to be, servant leaders, not for us, not in our own definitions, Lord God, but in the illustration that you've designed for us. You have been the first, the only, the best, and the model servant leader, and I ask that you just help us to continue to follow you, Lord God. You know the point of need of anybody that is currently on this call, anybody listening, and anybody that will listen once it's published. I ask that you meet them at their point of need, Lord God. You said where two or three are gathered in your name, you'll be there also. So show up, God. And when you show up, Lord God, let them know that it was you and you only, Lord God. Help us to be able to decrease so you can continue to increase in our lives, Lord God, and just continue to hold us in the heart of your hand. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I know that you got uh, (laughs) a lot of other things to get to, so I'm going to let you get to it, but you know you're going to be here from me soon.